Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Uh, you've already been thanked, but I'm going to thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's a Thursday night, and uh, there's nothing better on TV than what's happening right here, right now. And if there was something better on TV, that's why God invented TiVo. So you could, be, you could just be doing that. Um, we're experimenting with Thursday night instead of Sunday night. Uh, and uh, I just want to say that this meeting, uh, has anybody felt like you've been a little barraged by information on this meeting? Let me, let me just say, I, want, I hope so. If you raise your hand, I feel good. I feel great. Uh, because um, the, I, I cannot overestimate the value of this meeting in my heart for the health and strength of our church. And um, I have, there are some meetings that we do that uh, we finally just said, look, the horse is dead. Uh, let's dismount. Let's get off. The, you know, the thing is done. It's over. The time is over. But uh, I have, I have a, a significant passion in my heart for this meeting because the, the, the ability for us for, for vision to leak... Uh, the, vision, the ability for culture to drift is real for all of us. And, uh, and, then, and then it's so possible that in the midst of all of life and all the busyness, even serving in church and involved, that we can kind of get going in our own sort of direction and we've got a bunch of uh, things going on and, and to continually pull us together uh, to say, this is what God is saying to us right now, and let's all uh, join together and make it happen for the glory of God. And so, amen. So, uh, so this meeting is, is really important. This is not an auxiliary meeting. Uh, this is not a kind of sort of meeting. Uh, this is a super important meeting. And we are, we are going to attempt to put uh, loving pressure on our all our volunteers to be at this meeting how many of you appreciate loving pressure come on anybody come on come on we're, we're the adults right uh, uh we, because we just want everybody to own the value of, of this meeting and um uh you know values form culture so, so the values that any nation holds is forming the culture of that nation. Uh, the values any business hold is forming the culture of that business. The values your family holds is forming the culture of your family. And, uh, and the culture of a church is, is so vital. Uh, and culture, Dr. Sam Chan always says this, uh, culture eats strategy for lunch and uh, so you could have the best plan but if you have a dysfunctional misaligned culture uh, then it doesn't matter how good your plan is if there's somebody that's just kind of dragging or got their heel down or not quite in on it uh, it just doesn't make it happen and and I, and the truth is the, the strength of our church is really the core of our church. Uh, the strength of any church is the core of the church. 
And uh, core is what keeps culture alive. Uh, so we are the ones that keep the culture of our church alive. Uh, and, and culture is not just statements that we put up on the wall uh, to say this is our culture. It's not something that we gather in a back room and kind of build some ideas that sound kind of cool and put them together. But culture, culture is what we do. Right, so 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 if if our if our culture is relationships matter a lot, if our values or relationships matter a lot, well, that shows up in taking some time to have relationships. Uh, if we if we value prayer, uh, then it means that we actually invest ourselves in prayer. Uh, and so you guys are you're you're the owners. Um, and uh, there probably are five times, six times the number of people that are here tonight that are part of our church, at, at least that number. And, uh, but the truth is, it's always that the 20% that get it done, and uh, so you guys are it. I heard a guy give a great illustration the other day that I, I thought was so good. Um, first, let me ask this question. Uh, in, in the donut-loving war, who loves Dunkin' Donuts? Let me just see. Who loves Dunkin' Donuts? All right. Just, all right. Who loves Krispy Kreme Donuts? Yeah. Uh, obviously, God is moving in our church because um, Krispy Kreme are, 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 are the best um, to me, to me, Yeah. So, uh, but I heard a guy uh, share a thought that I thought was so, so very good. He said when he, was, uh, when he was younger, somebody urged him to go buy Krispy Kreme stock. And uh, he went and bought Krispy Kreme stock. And every day he would, he would look to see what was going on with the stock. Every day he was checking on it, seeing what was going on. And the growth of Krispy Kreme mattered to him because he had ownership. He said, one, he said after a few years, after the stock had split a couple times and grown, and, he, and then he sold it off, he made his profit. He said, now I could care less if Krispy Kreme grows or not. He said, but I still go eat them. I'll still go buy a dozen Krispy Kremes, hot donuts now come on is that a that's that's either a god thing or a devil thing it just it's so close but it could just be both uh and um and he's and uh it, you know i think our church like any church any church is but our church has people who love the donuts uh and uh they could care less if our church accomplishes its mission or grows or reach. They could care less. All they do is show up on Sunday for the donut. Come on. <laughs> for the hot donut. And they just, that's all they want. But the you are different. Come on. Come on. You are different. Right, uh, you uh, you 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 eat the donuts uh, 
but you also care about where this thing is going. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I cannot believe, maybe it's the fact that I'm growing older or something. Yeah, I cannot believe it is literally halfway through 2016. Didn't it seem like we just started 2016? Like, it was just starting. Was, I mean, I just literally stopped wearing a coat. And, and, and it is literally the, the, right the middle. So that means we have the whole second half of this year uh, in front of us. Now, uh, 2015 was one of the best years that our, our church has ever had. Uh, we just saw a lot of incredible, miraculous, beautiful, uh, God-honoring things happen. And I'm, I am really committed to the idea that uh, our path should be getting brighter and brighter and growing from strength to strength. So, um, so how many of you would kind of lean in strong with me and you'll eat the donuts, but you'll also own, let's make tw- the rest of 2016 the very best thing that's ever happened for the Rock Church, in the Rock Church, through the Rock Church. Come on, really. So I want to do something uh, just kind of quickly, but uh, because we, we don't get a chance to, to talk about our values that much, uh, and I'm going to drill down on one of them tonight, uh, I just wanted to take a minute and kind of rehearse uh, what the values of our church are and, uh, and just keep us fresh and up to date on this. Value number one, we have 10 values that guide the culture of our church. Number, value number one is we love to stay connected to heaven through prayer and worship. We, we are a praying church. We love to pray. And we are a worshiping church. And we love to worship. And I want to encourage all of you guys to, to, to enter into both of those things. I would like to see our church um, have worship like legit, expressive, uh, heartfelt, God-honoring worship happen all the way to the back row. Amen. All the way to the back row. And it, it, it doesn't. <laughs> so, it, and so, so maybe you want to infiltrate the back a little and, uh, and, and just, just help uh, worship happen. But uh, I'm very excited about this 21 days of prayer that's coming up. Uh, your level of fasting can be up to you, but we're going to really invest some serious prayer. Number, value number two is relationships matter a lot. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, I could teach on every one of these. I won't. Value number three is God wants people to succeed in life. Anybody believe that? Come on. Anybody really believe that? I do with all my heart. And we want to help. We are for people. That's, 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 why we, that's why we're part of our vision statement is love God, lift people, because we believe in the potential of people and God's promise for people. Value number four is excellence inspires people and glorifies God. So we're going to give God our very best. We're going to do our best. We're going to honor God with our very best for his glory. Value number five is we are life-giving and not legalistic. Anybody happy about that one? Amen. We are. 
because the the letter kills, right? But the Spirit gives life. Uh, Value number six is generosity is our flow. Think river, not pie. The kingdom of God is a river that flows from the throne. It's not a pie. Whatever you give away just increases your life, doesn't decrease your life. Value number seven, we are fishing in the ocean and not maintaining an aquarium. Amen. Value number eight, God so loved the world, he did not send a committee. Amen. We love leaders. We love leadership. God's calling all of us to lead something, somewhere, somehow. Value number nine, we love the next generation. Amen, we do. And we place a lot of value on the previous generations that, that let us stand on their shoulders. And, but we're not going back to anything. The only direction is forward, right? Value number 10, we embrace people just like they are and then help them grow into all that they can be. That's what, that's what the Bible calls discipleship helping people grow into becoming everything God's created them to be, which is to become more like Jesus. Amen. So this is the value that I want to drill down on for a few moments tonight. We are fishing in the ocean and not maintaining an aquarium. I, just, I want to remind us that our church does not exist for us. It, it, once, once a person becomes a believer, once a person gives their life to Christ, they are given a ministry, they are commissioned with an assignment. Once you've been reconciled, you are now to minister reconciliation. Uh, so so we, we have grown past just worrying entirely about, is this good for me? And we have grown into being concerned about, is this helping us glorify God? Is this helping us reach more people than we ever have before? So it's not just about me. So there may be things that our church will do at times that you don't like. You may not like a particular song. You know, this is real love. (laughs) And... And you, you may, you may, you may go, I can't, I don't even know how to clap for that song. I don't even know what to do. But maybe it's not for you. <laughs> yes. But I, but I just want to remind you that, that we exist First, for the glory of God. And then secondly, we exist to reach people who have not found Christ yet. And, and that, is, that's a, that is a passion, that is an assignment, that is what we've been given to do. And, and we, we got to keep remembering that the church doesn't exist for itself. We, we exist to be a, a channel. We exist to be a vehicle. We, we, we are not, we're, we're not just here 
for ourselves. We don't just come for our family's sake now. Uh, we, we want our family to be ministered to, of course. But the truth is we are here for a cause that's bigger than just personal preference. Amen, right? We're here, we're here for God to speak through. Uh, we, we are here for God to reach through. We are here for God to, to touch people through us. And, and I want us, this is a nuance, but I, but I want us to get a hold of how important this is. We can't just have an outreach program. We, we can't just have an outreach campaign, like Servolution Saturdays. We can't just have an, an invitation campaign, which we do those. Uh, and we do those on purpose, and we'll continue to do them. But here's what we have to look out for. We can't just have this idea, our, this church is for us, but we're inviting you to come to it. Uh, we, that is not the spirit of this house. That is not the culture of this house. Our church exists to reach people who don't have a real relationship with God. Now, once they, once they get in, we're going to help them grow and get discipled and build relationship and go in into the different rooms of the house. But, but I, just, I just want us to understand the value of this idea that we're not maintaining an aquarium here. Right? We're here to reach the lost. We care about reaching the lost. It, you know, I prayed a prayer at the beginning but, of my time here, but I'm also just reminding you that this world is in a mess and getting messier. <laughs> you know, people are in darkness and it's getting darker. Uh, and uh, if there ever was a day for the church, if there ever was a day for us to stop playing church and start really being church, this would be the day to do that. Come on. Uh, and we're here to love people. We're here to reach people. We're, we're here to help people find their best life in God. We're, we're, we're in it for that. And there's something about the passion of that that lifts your life, that, that takes you somewhere. You know, when you start to take your eyes off of yourself and start to reach out and look out, something incredible starts to happen in your soul. So Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So our church is always going to be reaching beyond ourselves, uh, reaching beyond the aquarium, so to speak. A go initiative is a part of church life for us. Go is the standing order. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep trying we're going to keep trying something else. We're going to keep trying something else. We're going to keep climbing. We're going to keep advancing. We're always, always going to keep moving forward. Somebody say forward. And, and um, because we have a mission, because we have a cause, because we have a, a reason uh, to exist. And I don't, think, I don't think it pleases the heart of God for a church and this happens. I mean, there are literally thousands of churches in the United States alone that have turned inward, that are concerned about pleasing their members only, about, about, about it not being too loud for the old folks. 
<laughs> now that I'm 60, uh, I can, I, look, I like it loud, so there. So there, you can't, not too loud for the old folks now. <laughs> Snatched it right out of you. But we can't get inward focused, right? We got to stay outward focused. And so, all right, introduction. Let me, this is my message. Ready? Luke 14, uh, I want to talk to you about full house. Full house. Luke 14, Jesus, great story of Jesus. Verse 15, one of those who were reclining at the table with Jesus heard this said to him, blessed is everyone who eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus said to them, verse 16, a man was giving a big dinner. He invited many at the dinner hour. He sent his slave to those who had been invited, said, come, everything's ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. Everybody say excuses. The first one said, I have bought a piece of land. I need to go look at it. <laughs> you mean you didn't look at it before you bought it? Right? I, I bought a piece of land. Uh, I, I need to go look at it. Please consider me excused. Excuse me. Squeeze me. Another one said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've married a wife. <laughs> There's like a hundred directions I could go with this right here. <laughs> Is there not? And for, and for that reason, I cannot come. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> oh, Lord. The slave came back, reported this to the master. The head of the household became angry. Said to a slave, we'll go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you've commanded has been done. We brought in the poor, the crippled, the blind and lame, and yet there's still room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in. Be compelling so that my house may be filled. Everybody say filled. So that my house may be filled. Jesus wants his house filled. Anybody, anybody with me to take that assignment on? Come on. His, his passion becomes our passion. His passion is a full house. Whatever it takes, go invite them, go bring them in, go compel them. Whatever it takes, whoever it takes, the guy who just got married, the guy, the guy, who, the guy who just bought five ox, the guy who just bought the piece of land, whoever, compelling, highways, byways, hedges, whatever. 
If God wants his house full, could, could you just own that with me for a minute? God wants his house full. I, I personally will never be satisfied until I die. I will never be satisfied with this house not full. Full. Because I believe God is a God who fills. He, God doesn't just trickle in. God shows up and fills. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Right? Adam and Eve are told, be fruitful and fill the earth. The glory of the Lord, over and over again, the Bible says, filled the tabernacle. The earth will be filled with all of his glory. He says, if you honor him with your first and your best, your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. Anybody get what I'm talking about? The nature of God is, he, doesn't, he isn't just puny. He doesn't just trickle it in. It isn't just us four and no more. Filled. Full. Right? He, 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 they, he sent the guys out to fish, and they had caught no fish outside of the word of the Lord. He says, go back out. Put your nets out just on the other side of the boat. They're like, Master, we did this all night. We're fishermen. You're not, remember? And go out, and they, and they said, but at your word, we'll do it. We'll do what you say. We don't get it. You don't understand. We understand, but we'll obey you. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. The boat was filled with fish, began to sink, Right? Five loaves, two fish, a crowd of 20,000 people, 5,000 men, along with families. Five loaves, two fish given out. They go out and pick up 12 baskets filled with leftovers. I'm just saying, this is God. This is the heart of God. This is our God. This is who we serve. He doesn't just enter in with a trickle. He fills. God wants a full house. Would you believe with me for that? Would you pray with me for that? Would you work with me for that? That, that God, um, we're not just going to eat, we're not just going to eat the donuts. Come on. Originally, Jesus in giving this is actually giving a poke at the nation of Israel. And what he's saying is, uh, God has blessed the nation of Israel, but now they don't have time for him or his cause or his house. And they just started giving excuses. So God blessed them. God blessed them with land, right? God, God blessed them with oxen. God blessed them with a family. And what Jesus is saying is they have actually forsaken the one who blessed them in order to pursue the blessing he gave them. 
God gave them the ability to take the land, and now they're more concerned with the blessing of the land than they are with the God who gave them the blessing of the Lamb. God gave them the ability to have the five oxen to break ground, to build the business, if you will. And now they're so consumed with their business that they don't have time for God, for his purpose, for his house. God blessed them with a family. And now he's saying this is a whole category of people that have been blessed by God and now they've forsaken the one who blessed them while they got swallowed up in the blessing that he gave. Everybody with me so far? Hang with me. I, I want to talk straight tonight. If That's okay. Do I ever do anything but, but I'm, tonight I'm really going to talk straight. And so I find that there's three different types of people here. Uh, there are territory takers, ones who could take land. There are groundbreakers, those who could load up five ox, put them to work, break ground. And then there's family makers, people who've actually committed covenanted to a wife. All three are beautiful things. All three are blessings of God. All three are blessings from God. But the potential of the danger of blessing is exactly what happened that Jesus is talking about here. The potential danger of affluence. And I would say most of us, globally speaking, would be quite affluent. The, the potential danger of affluence is God's house starts to take a back seat to the very things that God is actually blessed with. Right, smile at me. There's, there's no question in our day different than when we started our church 27 years ago, different than when Suzette was growing up going to church, different from when I first got saved and went to church, different than maybe 10, 15 years ago, is that attendance at church is ever so slowly started drifting into taking a back seat. I read this the other day, but I just, I just want to review it again. The Pew Survey Research asked this question. Blank is an essential part of being a Christian. And the answers, to me, are quite alarming. In a day when the church 
should be rising up and being the greatest light it could possibly be, uh, the decline of some of these things that are in this survey alarms me. It alarms me. It's a drift that's happening. And I think the thing about drift that takes place is you don't realize the drift is happening. That's what drift does, right? So, so asking what's an essential part of being a Christian, only 42% of American Christians found that reading their Bible was essential. So that means that 58%, almost 60% of Christians would say it's not really that important to read your Bible. And I'm like, really? And then it, it said only 35% of American Christians found attending religious services or going to church to be essential. I, I still believe church is God's idea. And I believe church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. And when I, when I look at the fact that 65% of American Christians really don't think going to church is essential, being a part of church, that, that, that concerns me greatly. So are they just sitting home and watching, preaching on TV, or, or maybe nothing? I don't know. Then 28% of American Christians found that helping out in church, serving in church, was actually... So I'm looking at all these stats... And I'm thinking to myself, God wants his house full. And the, the attachment to actually being in the house declines. And the attachment to being men and women of the word of God declines. And the attachment of serving... The, now, you might say, Pastor, why are you preaching this to us? We're here. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying there's a problem. And, and I, I'm, I'm just... It, it's a problem that concerns me pretty significantly. I think God wants his house to be filled. I think God wants his house to be full. I think God wants his house to be overflowing. He wants his house full of the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. But he also wants his house to be full of territory takers, groundbreakers, and family makers. Strong families. It's interesting in this passage that that they brought in the, the crippled, the poor, the blind, the blind, the lame, and they said there's still room. Because I believe that room was intended for territory takers, for groundbreakers, for family makers. 
But the territory takers weren't interested in being there. They were interested in going out and looking at their land. One thing I love about the idea of the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame coming in to the house of God is, this is what I know about our God. The poor will be taught to prosper by the word of God. The crippled will be healed by the power of God. The blind will get vision for their life. The lame will walk. You might come in poor, but you don't have to stay poor. You might come in lame, but you don't have to stay lame. <laughs> come on, turn, look at your neighbor and say, don't be lame. Right? You might come in without vision, but you can get vision. That's the bread of the house. That's the bread of the kingdom of God. That's the truth and the principles of the word of God at work. Our God is a God who lifts people's life. So I want to talk about for a few moments these, these different categories for if I can and just talk about it. Territory takers. I, I'm convinced God wants us to take land. I'm convinced the enemy would love for us to be quiet. The enemy would love for us to stay stuck in a rented back corner and have no voice, have no platform, have no strength, and just barely survive. And I'm here to announce to you one more time that the church is not here to stay stuck, tucked into a back corner. It, this, this is the day for us to put the candle on the top of the hill, to shout it from the mountaintops, to declare the goodness of God. In other words, church, rock church, we're here to take ground. We're here to take ground. And here's what I know, and, and I'm, you got to hear more than the words I say, but I want you to hear this. I believe God gifts some people the capacity to take ground. They're ground takers. They just have that gift. They have that capacity. They have that touch on their life. So, some people can barely even hold their own ground. And I don't mean that mean. Some people can barely even hold their own ground, much less take ground. And it's okay. Not everybody has to be a ground taker, a territory taker. But what I want to say is for the church to be the full house, to be what God's called us to be, we become severely limited if all of our territory takers are so involved in their territory taking that they are not giving their gifts to help the church take ground. God wants the house full of territory takers. If, if God's given you a gift to 
to take ground, to take territory, then he wants you to use that gift for the house of God. And then there's the category of groundbreakers, which I think are, this is the guy that had five oxen loaded up, ready to go. I think these are people that are, have the ability to build businesses that could take five oxen and put them together and break ground with it. I just, I want to say that there are men and women who have the capacity to generate significant resource. And God wants to use them to release massive resource. I'm prophesying this. God wants to use them to release massive resource to advance the cause of the house of God. I, I just think, you know, when I think I get up on Sunday morning and I'm not fussing, I'm talking, but I am talking straight. I get up on Sunday morning and I go, we got 23 high school kids that want to be interns, want to give their whole summer to uh, growing who they are in Christ, to serving God. And I just, I just believe that God wants to give us people that will go, I'll sponsor 10 of them. You know, I'll just do it. Uh, uh, that have capacity and have resource while millions, billions of dollars are being spent for all kinds of evil in this world, how about somebody who has capacity for putting five oxen together and breaking ground and bringing resource in, step up and go, God didn't give me that gift just so I could have a fat bank account. And I'm not against anybody having a fat bank account. I'm just saying that God wants his house full of ground takers. I think there are people that have gotten so immersed in their job that they are diluted from their commitment to the house of God. And you might say, not me. Well, good. <laughs> but I just want to, I, I want this, I want this to go out in the airwaves. I, I'm, I'm, anybody, you know, we're already talking about uh, Krispy Kreme. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? Come here, Chick-fil-A. Woo. Just born of heaven. It is born of heaven. I think... I look at Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A is, has prospered immensely closed on Sunday. Don't think somebody hasn't run a spreadsheet and brought it in front of the Cathy's and said, oh my God, if you were to open up on a Sunday... Look how much greater our profits would be. I really believe God is blessing them for their commitment to a value to say, I'll give God, six, I'll work six days, but I'll give God one, and I'm not going to let anything take me away. And that's the, re that's the reason they give people off, so they can be in the house of God 
and the blessing on the six days is far greater than almost all the other fast food places get in all their days. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? If you have a business, if you're running a business, if you're working, and somehow you've got the idea that it requires you to be out of church on a regular basis, could I just point you to Chick-fil-A? And, and, okay, I'm, if I get a little personal on this next one, you just love me, won't you? Because you say, you're going to get more personal? Family makers. I've, I, met a, I, I married a wife. I can't come. So I've watched people looking for their special someone. Right? And then, when God finally blesses them with their special someone, they get so enamored in that relationship that now we got to go on a weekend away. So you've been praying, asking God to give you that special someone. God gave you that special someone. And now you don't have time for his house because you got to go for a weekend away. I'm not against weekends away, by the way. How far do I want to go with this? All right, let me go all the way. Somebody's going to like it and somebody's not. There is no way that you are going off engaged in a relationship weekend away at the beach and keeping it right before God. Come on. Hello. Then God blesses people with kids. How many of you think kids are a blessing? <laughs> How many of you are still trying to decide? God blesses people with kids. But then they can't seem to make the transition to bringing their kids along for the journey and somehow miss the idea that God didn't give you your kids for you to build your life around them. He gave you your kids so you could teach them to love God, to love the house of God, and to understand that life is not just about them. So the person prays, they believe God, they've been blessed by God with the kid. The kid is there, now the kid is sick, and the whole family has to stay home.
Did everybody stay home from work? All right, I'm going to go one further, and then I'm going to go one further. Then the kid decides they love sports. Sports now becomes the most important thing. So they've got a weekend tournament, and that trumps the house of God. And what's happening is, and I've seen this happen dozens, maybe hundreds of times now. You are teaching that child, not you, someone is teaching that child that church is okay, the house of God is okay, our being part of a full house is okay as long as it doesn't interfere with sports. Because you're 12 years old, you have a basketball game. Certainly that is absolutely the most important thing that's ever happened. And I've watched so many kids grow up with no real love for the house of God because they just think, oh, church, that comes behind the weekend getaway. That comes behind the sports game. That comes behind almost everything. Is that right if I just preach on this? I'm saying that the strength of the house of God at some level depends on strong people filling the house. We can't just be a house full of donut eaters. Now, Chick-fil-A eaters, yes, but the, the church, I do believe the church, the church is not a country club, thank God. The church is like a hospital, but not everybody can be sick at the hospital. Somebody's got to be well. And I want to say, always, always, the door is open and the call is out. Come on, if you're poor, come into the house of God. We love you. If you're crippled, come on in. You don't have to have it together. We love you. If you're lame, come on in. We love you. I'm just saying the house needs territory takers groundbreakers, family makers, to say, I am committed to make this house full. And we need the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And we need everybody that we can compel from the highways and the byways. In other words, we just do whatever it takes to fill the house of God. 
We're committed to filling the house. I'm committed enough to fill the house that I'll actually be there. But I'm also committed enough to do whatever it takes. If it's invite, I'll invite. If it's bring in, I'll bring in. If it's compel, I'll compel. Now, I don't, I don't want anybody to think, oh, great, now they're going to start taking attendance. Because we're not. Because we, we are life-giving and not legalistic. Nobody, nobody's checking you, you're checking you off. But what I'm after is this. Come on, territory takers. Let's fill the house of God. Come on, groundbreakers. Let's fill the house of God. Come on, family makers. Bring those kids along for the ride. They'll be better for it. Come on, blind, crippled, lame, poor. Fill the house of God. Let God lift your life. Come on, I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray together. I'm, I'm asking you to not go legalistic, but to go passion. I'm after igniting a passion. God's house full. God's house full. I love what happens in our church, but I, I'm, not, I'm not even close to satisfied until this house is full, full. Lord, we give ourselves to you again tonight to say, Lord, we're going to take ground. We're going to take territory. We're going to use our gifts. We're going to bring our family along. We're going to throw our family right into the midst of making God's house great. Father God, we're not, we're not going to be distracted by the blessing that you've given to us. We're not going to be distracted, God, but we're going to keep our eye focused on filling your house. So I, I pray, God, as we just press in for a few moments here with worship and prayer, God, that you will fill this place. You will fill us with fresh faith, fresh passion for what you want to do in and through your church in the earth. Come on, let's sing together for a moment, then we're going to have one more prayer, then we'll be done.